Dive podcast, Catechism in the Catholic Church in the year. Today is day 63, and we begin with number 464. The unique and altogether singular event of the incarnation of the Son of God does not mean that Jesus Christ is part God and part man, nor does it imply that he is a result of a confused mixture of the divine and the human. He became truly man while remaining truly God. Jesus Christ is true God and true man. During the first centuries, the church had to defend and clarify this truth of faith against the heresies that falsified it. The first heresies denied not so much Christ's divinity as his true humanity, Gnostic docetism. From apostolic times, the Christian faith has insisted on the true incarnation of God's Son, come in the flesh. But already in the third century, the church in a council at Antioch had to refer firm against Paul of Samosata that Jesus Christ is Son of God by nature and not by adoption. The First Ecumenical Council of Nicaea in 325 confessed it in its creed that the Son of God is begotten, not made, of the same substance, or homoousius, as the Father, and condemned Arius, who had affirmed that the Son of God came to be from things that were not, and that he was from another substance, than that of the Father. The Nestorian heresy regarded Christ as a human person joined to the divine person of God's Son. Opposing this heresy, St. Cyril of Alexandria and the Third Ecumenical Council at Ephesus in 431 confessed that the Word, uniting to it himself in his person, the flesh animated by a rational soul, became man. Christ's humanity has no other subject than the divine person of the Son of God who assumed it and made it his own from his conception. For this reason, the Council of Ephesus proclaimed in 431 that Mary truly became the mother of God by the human conception of the Son of God in her womb. Mother of God, not that the nature of the Word or his divinity received the beginning of its existence from the Holy Virgin, but that, since the Holy Body animated by a rational soul, which Word of God united to himself according to the Hypostasis was born from her. The word is said to be born according to the flesh. The Monophysites affirmed that the human nature had ceased to exist as such in Christ when the divine person of God's Son assumed it. Faced with this heresy, the Fourth Ecumenical Council at Chalcedon in, in 451 confessed, Following the Holy Fathers, we unanimously teach and confess one and the same Son, our Lord Jesus Christ the same perfect in divinity and perfect in humanity, the same truly God and truly man, composed of rational soul and body, consubstantial with the Father as to his divinity and consubstantial with us as to his humanity, like us in all things but sin. He was begotten from the Father before all ages as to his divinity, and in these last days, for us and for our salvation, was born as to his humanity of the Virgin Mary, Mother of God. We confess that one and the same Christ, Lord, and only begotten Son is to be acknowledged in two natures without confession, change, division, or separation. The distinction between the natures was never abolished by their union, but rather the the character proper to each of the two natures was preserved as they came together in one person and one hypostasis. After the council of Chalcedon, Some made of Christ's human nature a kind of personal subject, 
against them, the Fifth Ecumenical Council at Constantinople in 553 confessed that there is one, is there is but one hypostasis or person, which is our Lord Jesus Christ, one in the Trinity. Thus, everything in Christ's human nature is to be attributed to his divine person as its proper subject, not only his miracles, but also his sufferings and even his death. He who was crucified in the flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ, is truly God, Lord of glory, and one of the Holy Trinity. The Church thus confesses that Jesus is inseparably true God and true man. He is truly the Son of God, who, without ceasing to be God and Lord, became a man and our brother. What he was, he remained, and what he was not, he assumed, sings the Roman liturgy. And the liturgy of St. John Chrysostom proclaims and sings, Only begotten Son and Word of God, immortal being, you who designed for our salvation to become incarnate of the Holy Mother of God and ever-Virgin Mary, you who without change became man and were crucified, O Christ our God, you who by your death have crushed death, you are one of the Holy Trinity, glorified with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Save us, Father. Thanks, Bill. You know, this uh, section on the Catechism is kind of a history of how the church got to be or to understand her own belief in who Jesus was, right? Because from the very beginning, there are questions about, well, who, what ex- who or what exactly is this Jesus, right? Is he, how does he... Uh, God. Now, to us today, we look at the fruit of it and we're like, well, yeah, of course. Like, we know Jesus Christ is true God and true man. We sing in divine praises even, right? Um, but, you know, at the beginning of the church in the first, whatever, five centuries or so, six centuries maybe, um, these questions were of vital importance, right? The You know, for example, the Arian heresy about uh, God or Jesus not being of equal standing with God the Father, right? Something a little bit less, kind of like a demigod. Um, got Arian punched in the face, or Arius punched in the face by St. Nicholas, right? That's actually kind of a cool story, but not very important. Um, but these these are very controversial things, and, and we see how easy it is to kind of step aside. And and it's good to look at all these things because, um, as one uh, one theologian put it, the modernist heresy, which we're kind of still suffering from today, is just a um, accumulation of all the other heresies coming before, right? So... Little things like uh, the idea of docetism, where God, Jesus just appears to be God, or he appears to die on the cross. But it's not really him. He's not really human. Okay, well, that, that doesn't really help us then, because then our nature hasn't really been assumed by God. Or um, or even the Gnostic heresy, which is actually really, really a huge problem these days, where it's all about a knowledge uh, that that isn't, isn't available to everyone, right? It's kind of a special grace that only a few get to, or... Um, or, you know, it's kind of secret, um, w- which we see in, in different groups um, to this day. But all of them kind of rear their ugly head. But why, so why does the church keep track of these things? Why is it? Well, because this is the same, this is the salvific faith. Right? This, uh, it's only this is the way, uh, the way, the truth, and the life. Only this truly expresses the truth of, of dogma, of what we hold and believe, which is, Jesus Christ is true God and true man. It is entirely uh, two separate natures united in one under uh, a unique grace that has never been repeated and never will be. It is not a uh, adoption, but truly a being that Christ has always been. It is this 
this great reality of which if if we change it even seemingly a small little bit right uh that we have this you know as, as we'll read sometime in, in matthew's gospel christ doesn't come to change one part of one or one smallest part of the law but rather comes to fulfill it right uh, that that still holds true right that, that that holds true with even how we confess who jesus is it's not that uh it's not that these little parts don't make a difference. They're actually vitally important to how we understand our relationship with God. So why do we look to these, this history to show us exactly why we why we believe what we believe? And it's to hold fast to that truth that what God has chosen to unite himself to, which is namely our human nature in its totality, that is what has been redeemed. That that is what God, who has existed from the very beginning, has chosen to draw to himself, which is every part of who we are.